0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're gonna be in Galatians, Galatians chapter six. You'll see the scriptures on the screen. If you have a paper Bible, feel free to turn there if you have electronic. I just wanna share with you literally three simple rules for life and one rule for the church. And again, I promise this is for all of us. I don't care where you are in life, I'm telling you, if you will hone in, if you will take some notes, I promise these are three keys that will change everything. It's in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 6, and he says this. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. First rule. First rule of life. You better be careful and choose your teachers. There's a lot of people that want to teach you something. There's a lot of people that want to pour. You. If you were to actually do a background study and, and to give you a, kind of the real synopsis of what this is talking about, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Galatia. And this is where he's literally talking about when it comes to your pastors, when it comes to your teachers, that you should take care of them. They are giving up their things and they are pouring into you, so as return you should pour back into them good things. This is the reason why you always, like, there's a lot of things that I'm terrible at. I'll be the first one to admit, like, like there's a lot of shortcomings and flaws that I deal with on a regular basis. If you don't believe me, come to a softball game, okay? But it's one of those things that, that, that I, I do my best. I try to get through it. We have some fun. We laugh. We cut up. We try not to cross this major line. We laugh. We, can, we have fun. But at the end of the day, there's one thing that I've made a commitment, that our staff has made a commitment, that I encourage you. The bottom line is when it's all said and done, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for the big moments. I'm going to be there for the not-so-fun moments. I'm going to be there to celebrate when everything we've been praying happens. And I'm going to be there to celebrate even when all hell's broke loose and you don't know what's next. And the reason being is is because there's something to be said about having the right teachers in your life. Like right now, we live in a generation that people are getting done with, with school. They're leaving their homes. They're going to different institutions, and they get bombarded about what they're being taught. Now, I'm not about to have a debate About different curriculums and university and secular, and I'm not doing that. But what I am gonna tell you is there's three simple questions that I wrote down that I think you should ask, no matter what your age is, when it comes to the people that you allow in your life that you put them in a position of, I'm going to learn from them. The first question, if you're taking notes, I would ask this Number one, what are they teaching? Like, very simple. What are they actually teaching? The scripture said this. Listen, it said, let the one who is taught the word share all the good things with the one who teaches. See, it tells you what that teacher was teaching. He was centering everything on God's word. You say, well, how do I handle it if somebody's a part of my life and they're trying to teach me something, but it's not centered on God's word? Listen to me, you don't bash, you don't humiliate, you don't make a social media post so everybody will know. All you do is you love them well, you smile and wave, and you don't listen. I don't have to argue with people. Like, that's one of the things that's really funny to me in 2022. There's such a sense that everybody has an opinion, and like, it's very important for me to voice that opinion because I gotta make sure that everybody knows that I know what's right. The problem is they ain't listening, and you're missing out on a lot of amazing things in your life because you're so caught up in trying to make sure people know that you're right that you're missing out on realizing that, guess what, you, you, right's right. You ain't gotta, they ain't got to know you're right. You know you're right. You say, Mickey, give me an example. Jesus didn't say nothing, did he? Why? Because truth speaks for itself. Me and Hester have went through many things in life, and one of the things that him and I joke around all the time is we say, you ain't got to fight for truth. Truth will fight for itself. You will be surprised at how loud love is when your mouth is shut. But you've got to ask yourself, number one, these people that are wanting to teach me, what are they teaching? And if it goes against God's word, then you don't listen. What if it's my parents? Don't listen. What if it's my pastor? Don't listen. What if it's my my spouse? I'm telling you, I don't care what title you put on them. If they are not standing in God's word, then you better not let them be your teacher. You say, Mickey, why do you say that? Because more is caught than taught. You ever found yourself in a situation where you're like, I don't even know how I got here. Like, I never imagined this would be my life. Like, I didn't know that going out with this dude on a Friday night was going to result in this addiction. I didn't know that going out with this girl or this guy was going to result in this lifestyle. I didn't know. Listen to me. More's cough called than taught. You need to know what people are teaching you. I'm not talking about this legalistic, pharisaical. Blah, I'm, I'm just telling you, You need to protect what you allow to go into your mind and result in coming out of your body, and you do that by letting you know, I want to know what you're teaching. And if they're not teaching the right thing, you ain't got to be rude, you ain't got to be crude, you ain't got to run away. All you got to do is love them well and just don't listen. There's so many times I'm a parent of five. I have amazing children. There's so many times that I was trying to teach them how to do something and they were explaining to me that they already knew it all and and they weren't going to listen. And I realized later on, like, I don't have to battle them. All I got to do is wait for it not to work. And as a dad, it's one of the greatest moments because you're just sitting there with this little smirk on your face. Like, you're trying not to be that guy, but you're that guy, you know? And and finally, like, all right, dad, you're right. Just tell me how to, oh, you want to listen now which is not the best response, but that's the way I respond. (laughs) Why? Because I told you I got a lot of issues. But I'm like, like there's nothing, experience speaks very loud. But you know what speaks louder than experience? Truth. Don't underestimate your truth based on a teacher's experience. Did you hear that? Don't underestimate your truth based on a teacher in your life's experience. Well, you just don't know because you're you know, I've been out here and done this. Yeah, I don't mean this rude, but I've looked at your life, and I mean like, like what you have in your life is not what I want. The second rule when it comes to your teachers, listen to me. What are they gaining if you implement their teachings? As you're getting ready to go into this life, You need to ask yourself, not only what are they teaching, but ask yourself a very simple, if I implement their teachings, then who's benefiting here? And the ones that every time you implement something, that all of a sudden the person teaching you is the greatest benefactor, you better be careful, because they've got something to gain. Like, that's one of the simplest things in our life that I think we miss it. Like, we put people on pedestals, we put their words on pedestals, we go to the, in any time the people that are pouring into you are the big, biggest benefactors of your decisions in your life, that should be a red flag for you to go, you know what, I don't know if they're really for me, but boy, they really are for themselves. Now, I wish sometimes you could be on stage, because I love the interaction, because like some of you right now, I mean, like, you got, you're like, mm-hmm, tell, because you've had it happen, hadn't you? You're like, man, if I would have known that back then, now, that, I mean, like, mm, hmm. It's amazing how people try to leverage their knowledge for their own gain. You, and, and don't fault them. Don't beat them up. Don't make a social media post. Just know, we call that the American dream. And they can't help it. From a young age, they've been built to go and compete. And the comp- competition is set very simple. Whoever at the ends higher up the ladder wins. And so they can't help it. But again, you don't have to be like that. See, Jesus came not to be at the top, but to serve the most. So ask yourself, even in your personal life, when I am loving people, when I am teaching people, when I am talking to people, am I doing this for something that I want for them? Or am I the greatest benefactor in this relationship? Like, y'all need to make sure you hear that. With the people that are in your life, if they listen to you, at the end of the day, are you in it for them or are they the bigger benefactor more than you? That's the reason why most parents struggle because they parent based on something they want rather than what their kids need. They constantly are trying to push and leverage, whether it be in dating, whether it be in couples. At the end of the day, they are wanting something. But God's like, listen, if you will center on my word and let my word speak, I have a way of orchestrating your steps. I have a way to make things happen. The last question, very simple one, just to the teachers. You're going to have to choose who you listen to wisely. And the last one, are they worth sharing with? Now, this is what's funny to me because Because it's really funny as the more and more we progress with education and and knowledge and experience and the workforce and technical school and whatever it is you may be chasing, the more you realize that some of the most basic things are so simple. Like, it's real easy to define who you want to really be in your life by asking the question, well, would I want to share my life with them? Like, Scripture puts it this way. I just read it. It says, let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Like like your parents. Like one of the reasons why they want to be a part of all these major moments, the reason why I'm always sitting in the stands or going to different, is because I want to share in the good things. The reason why we do church, and this summer is called the Summer of Love, and we're going to have a lot of, because I think it's important for us not just to go to church, I think it's important for us to have a relationship. I think it's important that when we're doing things to celebrate major moments, to share in the good things. Now I don't mind telling you, that's not exactly the the context in which this scripture is being written. Paul is talking about the aspect of taking care of those that pastor and teach. I'm using a little bit of pastoral privilege right now. Because I'm telling you that if you want to know the people that are worth listening to and the worth allowing them to be teachers in your life, it's very simple because those people, you're going to want to be a part of your big days, not just your bad ones. You're going to want to share with them the good things, not just when, when all Hades is broke loose. You're going to want to come to them, and you're going to want them to be a part of your life because they are more than just somebody in your life. That They come like family. Like, if there was something I would want to describe Crossroads, that's it. Like, I want it to be, man, I got these amazing people. I got some friends. Like, they're like family. Uh, well, what, what do y'all do? Well, we actually go to church together. But that's really, like, that's not why. We just don't happen to all be at the same church. Because, man, I like being around them. I like sharing things with them. I like listening to them. When they pour into my life, they don't pour into it based on something that they want out of it. They pour into it based on something they want in it. And if you'll do those three things, that's the first rule of going and having everything that God wants in your life. Now, the cool part, talking to everybody else, listen to me. It's never too late to implement these rules. Like, if you're not careful, some of you are going to sit there and go, oh, man, when we get done with this message, boy, I I wish somebody would have told me that. Well, they are. The question is, is what it's going to take for you to implement it? It's never too late. Like, for a lot of us in the room, one of the greatest things that we could do is we could sift through the teachers in our life and get rid of some of them. And we can start listening to some people that are for me. And they're for God. And they're centered on God's word. Now, I say this every once in a while, and I have to be real careful. I know what some of you are thinking. But, Pastor, that's going to be tough because, like, some of those people are my family. Listen, you can love them well. You can encourage them. You can show them affections. You can be for them. You can build them up. All I'm telling you is you just ain't got to listen to them. You don't have to implement Their persona and struggles and put that into your life but you can still love them and you can love them well in fact you'll be surprised how all of a sudden God uses you to be a catalyst and a teacher in their life to lead them to things that he wants in theirs it's like the old the old Yoda right in Star Wars or these other ninja movies it's like oh young grasshopper become teacher You know, and all of a sudden, it's funny how people that were once pouring into you, God is now leveraged because of his word, and now you're pouring into them. The second thing is the next scripture. The second rule for life that I want you guys to catch, and I want everybody to hear, it starts in verse 7. It's the next two verses. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also will he reap. For the one who sows on his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, this is actually a two-fold system right here. Because if you were to study Galatians, Paul's already talked about in chapter 5 are our actual actions. Like what he is talking about here is not the aspect of what you're getting into as far as your personal code of conduct. He talks about that in chapter 5. He talks about these different things that people get into that are works of the flesh. It talks about corruption and how it will destroy them. And then he goes into these fruits of the Spirit. He says, but put these things in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's talking about these fruits of the Spirit being in your life. And because they're in your life, other things will happen. But in this scripture, he's talking about something bigger. He's saying if you want to do it your way and you want to be your own God in your own flesh, then at the end it's going to be corrupt. But if you will submit to a God and allow him, you'll sow good seed, you'll sow his word, you'll sow Jesus Christ in your life, then in the end you'll have eternal life. Listen to me. I pray that you have an amazing life. But no matter how great this life may be, it's not the most important life. Your eternal life is more important than your earthly life. And I want to encourage you to not chase after fulfillment in this world and miss heaven based on your own fleshly desires. All of us in this room are called to submit to a God and to bow a knee. And at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And if we will do that, then out of our mouth confess and repent, and believe that he rose from he says, and you shall be saved. Like, I encourage you more than anything to know, God is not mocked. He's talking about a principle that I've talked about several times from this stage, because especially during this season, I I do a garden, it's the the law of the harvest principle. You just need to know that you can't sow whatever you want in your life, and then pick what you're going to reap. Like, you can't run around and do all the things you want to at the club or in a college or in a fraternity. Not that all fraternities are bad. There's some great ones. Or a sorority. Not that all sororities are bad. Or in different teams. Or a different, Like, you can't go do whatever you want to do and then wonder why you're not getting the things that you want. Like, in my garden, I know what the plan is based on the fruit that's on it. And I can't go out and, and plant corn and be shocked that I don't have tomatoes. Like, I can't go out and plant beans and be upset that I didn't get cucumbers. Like, you can't go do whatever you want to do and have this dream of having a godly man or a godly woman and wonder why you didn't meet them at the club. Like, most people don't find the person of their dreams that is a great spiritual leader dancing on a speaker. I mean, there's one or two in the room, but I'm not going to point out who those are. (laughs) But no, it's a funny principle, right? Like, it makes so much sense. It's amazing to me. And they laugh because we're on the other side of a timeline. There's this amazing thing called grace. What does grace mean? Grace means that I sowed the wrong stuff, but God allowed me to reap the godly stuff. That's what grace means. But I want you to know that God's not mocked. And if you allow teachers to be a part of your life that are teaching you the wrong thing, don't be surprised when you look back at life and go, I don't know how I got here. You say, well, Mickey, how do I handle that? Like, like Mickey, there's a lot of stuff in my life that I don't really like. This, this past week, I, I went to clean up the garden. And I, I got to make an executive decision in the garden, which I know you don't think is a big deal. But for me, that's a big deal because here's where the garden works. Amy, what do you want? Well, okay, we're gonna plant that. And we were sitting there, and, and and we had this one little area that we had planted carrots. Now, my feeble mind works like this: I don't eat carrots. Number one. Number two, you can go buy a bag of carrots for about ninety-nine cents. So if I do want carrots, I'll go to the ashtray in my truck and get a dollar, and go get, you know, like, I don't don't need carrots. Like, that's a lot of work in weeding and tilling and pruning and watching and just to be like, okay, I got three carrots. Like, I like to plant stuff that's like cucumbers, or I like to plant zucchini. I like to plant squash. Why? Because all of a sudden, it's like, I got too much. Like, I show up at church with a basket saying, anybody want some of this? I got too much. You never have that happen with carrots. You pull up carrots, and you're like, I I waited all this time for three carrots? Like, I want plants that produce like I got too much. And so I had to make a decision this week. Are we sticking with the carrots, or are we going to till and start over? To till and start over meant the harvest was going to be delayed. But if I want it what I want it, I had to be patient to wait. So what did I do? I tilled up the carrots, and I planted what I wanted to be produced in my garden. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to have stuff coming up that you have worked on, and you've tilled, and you've cultivated, and you've realized at that moment, I don't really want these. What do I do? You delay the harvest. You take the time to till it up and to put in the ground, your life, what you want in your life. There may be a time in your life that there's a relationship and you go, man, I I just don't want that in my life. And it's going to be hard. And you're going to remember a chunky blonde head guy sitting on your stage looking at you and saying, listen to me. Don't be afraid to till up the garden because you will reap what you sow. The last part. Here's how you can handle all this. Here's one of these things I need all of us to hone in right here. It is one of my favorite verses. I don't mind telling you. It comes from my son Braden. It's his life verse. It's something that that he likes a whole lot, so much so that he, he got it printed on his arm. He's like, Dad, look what I got on my arm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what are you? But anyway, but it's his body, not mine. But he's got it on his arm. It's Galatians chapter six, verse eight. Listen to this: and let not grow, I'm sorry, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Listen to me. Here, here's the moment. I promise. No matter what's happening in your life, I don't care where you're sitting. If you do not quit and you do not give up in doing good, it's the aspect of doing what God's called you to do. I promise you'll reap. I don't care what's happened in your life. If you don't give up, you will reap in the right season what God has for your life. You just got to make a commitment not to give up. You say, what am I not giving up? Don't stop doing good. Like if there's one thing that I want all of us to do is quit being the bad person. Do good. Well, but pastor, you don't know how they treat me. I don't care. Do good. Why? Because in due season, you're going to have a day in your life that's going to be the most magnificent thing. And you're going to have, here's the way it's going to look. You're going to have one day in your life that you're like, I don't know if I can take any more. I am ready to quit. I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if God's listening. I don't know where my life's going. I don't know if all this stuff's really working. I, I've prayed. I've sought. I've tried. This is not working. It's just not happening. I've got things in my life that I want them to happen. I want some major moment. I need something to let me know that God, you're still there. And if you don't stop doing good, then all of a sudden you sit in a day and you go, holy moly. It was worth waiting. I'm so glad I didn't get that close to that day and stop. You know why some people never get to that day? It's because they let the circumstances taint them, and they stop doing good, and they start just being average or trying to repay. Well, by God, you're going to treat me like that. I'm going to show you how I'm going to treat you. And God gives you a promise here. If you don't grow weary in doing good, if you won't quit in due season, he's going to bless you. In fact, here's the rule for the church. Like we end at that scripture and we don't ever read the next one. But he takes it one more step. Here is the motivation leading into the summer. Are you ready? The last verse and then I'm done. It says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And if you have a paper Bible, I want you to underline these words. And especially... To those who are of the household of faith. Do you know that God himself literally inspired Paul? And he says, don't grow weary in doing good. And as you have an opportunity, do good. But then he says, and especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, listen to me, here's the way I would put that. We are so excited about everything that God's doing at Crossroads for all the people that come for a first-time guest, for all the things that have been happening for the last few weeks from, from amazing services and worships and baptisms. And, like, like there's never a point that we're not gonna love our community and love God. But there will never be a time that in the process of growth that we don't especially love you. I've heard pastors make a comment like this. Well, the problem is, is we get so centered on ourselves that we stop reaching out to other people. That's not in God's word. God's word says, especially to the people of the household of faith, do good to them, love them well. You know why? Because this life's hard. And if the people in this room can't make a difference, then why are we coming? Now, Mickey, be careful, it's not us, it's God. Okay, I call that the duh factor. Everything that we do is centered around Jesus Christ. He is the author and perfecter of everything. But you're fooling yourself if you think that he doesn't want the people you're sitting in this room with to be a major difference in your life. He wants you to, when you hit tough times, you need to call somebody to be able to call somebody that's in this room. He wants you to have friends that are going to pull you forward, not push you. He wants you to have people that when you have a major moment in your life, you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to call my family. They're going to be so excited. And as soon as I get done, I've got to call blank. And the blank needs to be a person in this room. Because we need to quit going to church and we need to start being the church. And this is one of those scriptures, I'll be honest with you, I I fly over it. Because I almost feel like, well, wait a minute, you know, God's called us to go out and make disciples. Like, that was the great commandment. Like, like we got to go out and make disciples. Like, we should never get so self-consumed that we're not making disciples. And I believe what Paul was telling us, hey, man, bro, you can make disciples. But listen to me. Nothing makes disciples like loving each other well. You want to be contagious and have people want to be a part of something? It's real simple. Love each other well. You ever seen people that love each other well and you're going, man, I'd love to be a part of that? Like those people, they have fun. They treat each other well. They love on each other. They don't talk about each other. They don't belittle each other. They are there for each other. Have you ever been around a family that you're like, man, I like they're not my family, but but I'm gonna adopt them. They're my family. Because they're just so amazing. With the way they love and treat each other? That's my desire for Crossroads. That people show up here not because of the gospel that we preach, but because of the way we live our lives and how loud it talks. And you eight, listen to me. If you'll do those four things, if you'll be careful who you allow to pour in your life and who you listen to, If you understand that what you sow in your life, you're going to reap it. Don't be surprised. And if you'll not grow weary in doing good, and then especially when it comes to, like, like let the people that speak God's word have a seat at your amazing life, then I promise you won't do what I did. It was August of 1992. And I always kind of considered myself kind of like a, you know, God's God. I'm just, I grew up with athletics, and and we don't hurt, and we don't cry, and we don't get upset. And I drove, and I went to Union University, and I got everything unloaded, and it was just me. My parents were, I'm going, I'm going to do this. So I got everything unloaded and got everything done. And as a freshman, you couldn't have a vehicle on campus, which was the stupidest thing ever. But anyway, and so they leave and I'm there. I can't go nowhere. And I did what every amazing godly God does. I went to my dorm room. I shut the door and I cried like a baby. Because I was scared to death. And what I was scared of was the dreams that he'd put in my life. And I didn't know if I was good enough. I didn't know how to get there. And I was lonely. Everything I'd worked for for 12 years, all the little superlatives, all the little records at a high school, all the friends, not one of them was sitting in Jackson, Tennessee. He said, Mickey, what would you do? I cried. And I start praying, Lord, I need some people. Like, I'm not wired to do this thing by myself. And 30 years later, you know what I still ask for? People. Amy Lou and I's biggest prayer on a regular basis is, God, keep sending us amazing people. And he sends us amazing people just like you. And so today's always bittersweet for me. Because I know you weren't here by chance. And I want you to know that no matter where God takes you, I'm a phone call away. I'm committed to you for as long as you're breathing. And that's for everybody in the room. I love you. I think you're the greatest people. Five years ago, if I'd have known, and I could have handpicked a church that in May to go into a summer of love, I'd pick every single one of you but one. I'll let y'all figure out what the one is. No, I'd pick every single one one of you. I want you to know I love you. I want you to know that God's got an amazing plan for you. A plan to prosper and not to harm. A plan to give you a hope and a future. And you are going to be difference makers as long as you don't get caught up in trying to get what you want. Be careful of the people you let teach you. Be careful of the things you're sowing in your life. And as long as it depends on you, do good. If you are encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at CrossroadsCommunityChurch.com.